Well, good morning. My name is Peter, and I'm uh, the lead pastor here at City Harvest, and just want to welcome you. Um, if it's your first time here, you've been coming for a long time, or you haven't been here in a long time, uh, really doesn't matter to us. We're just glad you're here. We like to say that, not just because it's a catchy phrase, but because we believe it, that there, we don't believe it's an accident you're here. Uh, real quick, as we kind of continue on in the presence of God, we want to release any of our second through eighth graders, if you guys want to go to your own gatherings. But before you do, will you just stand up? I don't want you to go anywhere. Just stand up where you are. If you're in second through eighth grade, will you stand up? And um, I want to do two things. One, I would like us to appreciate our second through eighth graders, that they are part of our family. I don't know if you can go back in your memory banks, but to remember what it was like to be a kid and how easy it was to feel like no one saw you and to feel like you didn't matter or you weren't valuable. And so to you guys, we wanna say we see you and we love you and we believe in you. And um, sometimes you might hear some cranky old people talk about the generation What I want you younger ones to know is it was just a couple years ago that they were just like you, okay? So just brush that off. Know that you are who God says you are, and we are proud of you, and we're with you. Will you just, I want to pray real quick, because sometimes we can look at, as we gather in here like this, that this is the big show. This is the main place. And that then we have some kind of sub-screenings going on. Like this is the... This is the blockbuster movie taking place, but if you want to see some B-grade movies, which are the ones I really enjoy, they're usually based off of true stories and they have cheesier actors, which I feel are more realistic. But if you want to watch those, we got those down the hall in classrooms one through four, or we have an independent film in the chapel. But no, each one of us is going to a place to encounter the living God. And to hear that Jesus sees us and he wants to challenge each one of us. The difference, just like the difference between as we celebrated last Sunday by bringing English and Spanish together, is we're one church. The difference is the language we speak in that service. Today, we're one church. The difference in what room we find ourselves in is just that we are hearing something age appropriate. These kids aren't going to daycare. They're not going to babysitting. They're going to a gathering to be encouraged and equipped to walk out their faith just as we are all going to be in here to be encouraged and equipped to walk out our faith. So Lord, right now, we pray over God, the kids of City Harvest and those maybe that are here for the very first time. We pray over the volunteers that have um, answered a call to serve and to bless and the parent partners that um, have answered the tad bit of a mandate to uh, also serve in that way. God, we pray blessing over the leaders. We ask that God, even as they're in there and teaching a lesson, that you would come and bless them. That today wouldn't be a day of just giving, but it would also be a day of receiving. And that every child, regardless of their age, would encounter you and know that Jesus, you see them and you want a personal, individual relationship with each one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can head on out if you choose to, or you can stay in if you would like to. 
we are going to be opening our Bibles here in a minute. And so if you need a Bible to read along, we don't put uh, the scripture actually up on the screen. That's because we want to continue to be in the practice of bringing our Bibles and opening them, whether it's digital or paper. But if you are in need of a Bible so that you can read along with us, will you just raise your hand and uh, leave it up and the ushers will get it to you. If you decide that you really like the one, feel free and just take it home with you. Um, and then, but yeah, anybody here, keep your hand up and the ushers will get you the Bible, leave it up, uh, and they will get that to you. Um, okay, we are in the book of James and we are going through, um, we, we spent some time in Acts. We made it all the way through Acts chapter 14, looking at the early church and what was taking place there. Uh, basically, the powerful thing about the early church in the book of Acts was Jesus has now ascended into heaven and he's commissioned them to go out and to actually spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And that it wasn't just going to be him doing it, it was going to be each one of them walking it out. And that is the same call that's on you and I. It wasn't just on a select few people. We also see that they go out and they begin to pray for people. They begin to encourage people. They begin to, we see signs and wonders take place. That wasn't just for several years ago. That's for today. And we want to step out in faith in that same way. Cool thing about us is the human race is uh, we can take something that's really cool and really pure and really amazing, like Jesus commissioning us to go into all the world to preach the gospel and that we would even do greater things. And somehow we have the wonderful capability of messing it up. Anybody here ever mess something up? Okay, if you're like me, you've done it multiple times. And therefore, then you have these letters that get written to different communities. And this one is James. He's writing this letter and He's encouraging the early believers because it's easy to get off course, just as easy as it is for you and I to get off course. And so we're seeing this also not just as looking at a letter of almost like we're archaeologists of, wow, let's open this up. I don't know if any of you saw in the news how at West Point they found um, this lead box inside of a statue and they did this big live feed of opening up the box, hoping that it was this time capsule with all these amazing things and it was a kind of anticlimactic because they actually didn't discover anything but dust. They finally take the box back and the guy starts sifting through it with a little wood rake and he actually finds some old coins. But that is not what we're doing today is let's dust off this old book and let's just see, can we see something amazing where we're like, ooh, wow, that's huh, interesting. Or something like that. What we're actually looking at is believing that it's alive it's still living today, and it's still there to convict us, to challenge us, and to point us in a new direction to live in the way that Jesus has called us to live. And we need the power of Holy Spirit to do it, and we need the grace of God to do it. So that's why we're jumping in there. So we've, the last couple of weeks, we've been starting out by reading um, the portion of Scripture, which don't go there yet. Because I want you to hear this, and we read it as a letter from James, basically to us, as if he's saying, City Harvest, here's something. I want to I encourage you in your gifts, but I also want to encourage you to come together and to focus on something so that you can represent our Lord Jesus Christ in a more pure and a more holy way. So, Wendy, will you come up? 
and uh, she is going to read our letter today from James. Okay. City Harvest Church. My dear brothers and sisters, what good it is if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope that you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then, faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. You can believe all you want that there is one true God that's wonderful. But even the demons know this is this and tremble with fear before him. Yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. O feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from works is phony? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because of his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Can you see how his actions cooperated with his faith and by his actions, faith found its full expression? So in this way, the scripture was fulfilled. Because Abraham believed God, his faith was exchanged for God's righteousness. So he became known as the lover of God. So now it's clear that a person is seen as righteous in God's eyes, not merely by faith alone, but by his works. And the same is true of the prostitute named Rahab, who was found righteous in God's eyes by her works. For she received the spies into her home and helped them escape from the city by another route. For just as human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without expression of good works is dead. Thank you. You know, I wanted uh, Wendy to read that because um, to me, she's a person that I see when I watch her in her life. I hear what she says, the way she talks to others, and the way she prioritizes her life, that she is an example She stumbles, she makes mistakes. We're not going to go into that right now. But she's an example of someone where their faith isn't just something in their mind, as you hear James talking about, but it's something that she lives out in her actions and in the way she serves others and puts other people first. And you're an amazing example of that. Ken Olson is an example. You know, Ken, um, he's had some different setbacks in his life. And different things that have happened over the last several years. But one thing about Ken is his faith isn't just a story. It's not just a couple verses that he has. You ever go up to Ken and you shake his hand. One, be prepared that he's not going to let go of it for a minute until he's ready to let you go. Okay, so just just know that. Um, but it's because he sees you and he's going to look in and he, and he's gonna, he wants to encourage you. What he's also going to do, though, is he's going to encourage you with the testimony of who God has been to him over the years. And he's not going to point at, oh, today was hard or today wasn't easy. He's going to point to his good God. And he's stepping out of it in faith. But with that faith isn't just a confess, isn't just words coming out of his mouth, but it's an action in his heart. And so, Ken, I want to thank you 
for the way you do that. Andrew Brown. Andrew, I love Andrew, and I love your purity to continue to pursue God. And, you know, many times we can... One thing I, I love about Andrew is he's always looking for what does God have next for him. Sometimes we see, well, I'm going to, I give my life to Christ and that was it. That, that's all I needed to do. I, I went in, it's like buying a car and I, I, I got talked into it. The salesman did a really good pitch and said, well, oh, you can't afford it at 50 months. What if you pay for 72 months? And I'm like, fine, I'll sign and I'll buy the car. But Andrew continues looking at what does, what else is God asking him to do? To me, those are deeds where he's putting his faith into practice, where he takes another step. He says, okay, God, you want to do surgery on my heart? Okay. Okay, God, you want me to surrender a little bit more in this area? Okay. Okay, God, you want me to step out of my comfort zone in this way? And Andrew, you're a great example to all of us in that way. In these letters and in this part, it's, it's kind of actually, this is a harsh one. There, there's no way to soften it up. To soften it up would actually be to take the words away. Because James is really clear. It's not, hey guys, you know, I think it would be good. You know, maybe if you're comfortable with it. I don't know. I mean, I, oh, I hate saying it. But um, let's just not talk about it. Let's also do it. Or, no, he is very blunt. And we might even feel like it's harsh. But it's truth. The, the gist of this is if we say we have faith, which is belief, and we're putting our faith, we're putting our belief in Jesus Christ, to say that is then to also allow it to come and change you. Because it's a surrender. It's a letting go. What is it? It's saying, I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. I'm taking off my crown that I built for myself I'm pushing aside the throne that I've been sitting on. And Lord, I'm going to take this feeble crown that, I, that I've made and I'm going to give it to you. Not because it's anything special, but because I'm saying you are king. Not me, you are. And I'm going to come and no longer have my throne, but I'm going to come and I'm going to kneel before your throne and say you and you alone are God. You and you alone are in charge. You're the one who should get all the glory and all the praise, not me. I shouldn't, when I do something for you, Lord, not just to be a, and not knocking it, but not just to be a sports, you know, star where after the touchdown, you just give God a quick little finger up in the air, but where our lifestyle is a surrender. That's what he's asking us to do because he's saying, if you believe and you have your faith, and that means you're actually going to allow its power to come change you. And if it's actually truly changing you, it should come out of you. Which shows that the belief isn't a dead belief, but it's alive. And if it's alive, that means it's active. And if it's active, that means there's something changing inside us. So, yes, it's, it's kind of harsh. And yes, it's convicting but it's to lead us to become more like Christ. And it's to lead us into a way where we're giving, given more life. And in a lot of ways, what it's confronting is whose kingdom are you and I building? Are we building our own or are we building his? Because where you and I maybe have faith with no deeds, it's because we have faith that it's in our mind, but we're not living it because we're actually still living for ourselves. So I'm going to read through this again. And What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, 
So this is James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. My challenge to each one of us is that each day of this coming week is that we read this small portion of scripture. Maybe you're a person where you get tired when you read. Well, this is, it's, it's only a few verses, but you maybe read it from a different translation each time and allow it to speak to you in a new way. And then write down some of the thoughts you get and what is God, how's God challenging you? Are the questions we're looking at as we go through all of this and one of the main themes through the book of James is not just being listeners, but being doers. That we don't just hear, we don't just gather like this and hear something and go out and say, oh yeah, that was good. But no, we want it to transform us. We're thinking about how would each of our lives look different if we not only heard the words of James, but put them into practice. So as we read them, man, how would my life look different if I actually did what this letter's saying? How would City Harvest as a family look different if we not only heard the truth of this book, but put it into practice? And then what would God do in us and through us if we were collectively transformed by this truth? Jerry, will you put up the question to consider for today? So this is kind of as we go through James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26, is to think through. Where would your faith be considered dead due to its lack of good deeds? It's a little bit hard to think about, but each one of us is going to have somewhere. And so we ask Holy Spirit to reveal that to us, for us to align with who God is. So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. It doesn't matter what translation you go to. You're not going to get those words any softer. Okay, this isn't one of those things where, ah, you know what? That translation's a little harsh. I need a softer version. Let me scroll through them. I guarantee you, as you look through, the words are going to be exactly the same. That unless... It produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, any, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by good deeds. That's kind of saying some are going to argue, oh, well, my gift is singing. It's not um, giving of my tithe. Or my gift is working with kids. It's not you know, helping uh, uh, in the parking lot. Or, or my gift is we come up with these different things. We're not talking about that. Verse 19, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. I believe there's a tad bit of sarcasm in this. Like, well, hunky-dory, isn't that amazing? But he says, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. 
Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Because it's not our job just to believe of someone, it's to believe in someone. We used to use the Kreider series as a, as a um, discipleship uh, uh, handbook and material to take people through as they're beginning their relationship with Jesus. And in book one, it's talking about um, the difference of knowing of God and knowing God. And, and in it, Larry Kreider uses the example of the queen, the queen of England, God rest her soul, and he says how you and I, we, we, can, we can all say we know the queen. We know what she, the majority of us, we know what she looks like. If we saw a picture of her and someone said, who is this? You could say who it was. You might even be able to give her name and understand who her dad was and, and even the story of how her dad became king, even though he wasn't supposed to be, and, and that she became queen at a young age. And you know some different facts. You, you know how amazing and functional her family was and all these different, why are you laughing? And we know, you can know all these things, but there's a difference of knowing of somebody and knowing someone. Would the queen, if you went to a parade and you were in London and you were on the side of the road waving your hands, would she say, hey, that's you? No, she wouldn't know us. So there's a difference of knowing of versus knowing personally. And it's the same thing here. Is our faith of somebody that we believe of in existence or do we actually believe in? When we believe in, it means that there's something being transformed inside of you and I. Verse 21, don't you remember that our ancestors, so now using an example of someone who's gone before them, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. I remember a story of a, of a tightroper who I believe was gonna walk across the Grand Canyon and uh, years ago and they do the rope and asking people on one side, who believes that I can walk across this rope? And everybody cheers and yes, yes, do it, do it. And uh, so he does it and comes back. And then, you know, who believes I can carry this thing and go across? And everyone cheers, yes, you can do it. And then he has a wheelbarrow. And who believes, you know, I can take this wheelbarrow across? And yeah. Who believes I could take the wheelbarrow across if one of you was to get in? And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so amazing. Yes. And he's like, who would volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> Our faith can be like that where we're cheering and we're on the side saying, yes, this is the most amazing thing ever. It's crazy. And then when it's who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow, and I do not think any of us should get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> there is an opportunity you could make it to the other side, but the other opportunity is pretty treacherous. But we can be like that where we're jumping up and down in theory, but it's not alive and it's not actually a truth and it's not something 
we actually really believe in. It's we believe of it, but we don't actually want to jump into it ourselves. Here at the end, verse 25, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Then it closes. Just in case you didn't think it was harsh enough, or just in case it's like, well, maybe he was just having a bad day at the beginning of this letter. He was a little ticked off. You know, things just weren't going right. He just broke, you know, the lead on his pencil for the 20th time. And so he's just a little frustrated. No, this is how he ends this portion. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Now, what we have to be careful with is that we don't, and and this is what's so hard with us in life, is these dichotomies that we live in, the tensions that we live in, because also we don't glorify the good works. You can have good works without faith. You can have where we go out and do a whole bunch of good things thinking that somehow that earns us something from God. He's not asking us to do it to earn anything because it doesn't earn us anything. We could give every penny we've ever made We could surrender everything that we had, but without belief in Jesus Christ, it's not like we get more points because of that. But what he is saying is if you truly believe in me and you truly say that I am who I say I am and that you're making me Lord, then it should transform you. And if it's truly transforming you, then it should come out in action. It should come out indeed. Others should be able to point to it and look at it and say that it's there. You know, Jesus did this in, in, in Matthew. He's, he's asked by someone, they're trying to kind of trick him. Not kind of, it was truly trying to trick him. And, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he goes back and says what the greatest commandment was, which is to love the Lord your God with all that you are. They asked him for one commandment. He kind of gave two, but still said it was one. And then said that you are to love others. Well, they really aren't two, because if you truly are going to love the Lord your God with all that you are, loving others is the byproduct. You can't truly love God with all that you are without loving others. It's just like this. What we're talking about is faith. You can't really say you have this faith and this belief if you're not allowing it to transform you. And if it's transforming you, it's gonna come out. Just like in the greatest commandment, if we truly love God with all that we are, everything, then it changes the way we treat each other. But not just each other, because we're in a club, each other, one another, everyone we encounter. On Friday night, Tamar was watching um, some shows with, with our kids and Man, I've always had an issue with shows and movies, been very sensitive to them. Uh, They just affect me big time. But I don't know what it is, if it's as I get older or what, but I'm even more and more affected by them. So I barely watch anything with our kids. Um, When I was saying that I like B-grade movies, I really, really do. Um, There's a new one out by my favorite actor in the whole wide world, Dennis Quaid, called The Hill. Um, (laughs) 
it's such a blockbuster, they only show it like at noon every day. But uh, I'm going to love that one. Um, but so I went into, uh, I went, it was in a different room. And I like, like I said, documentaries and, and real life things. And was watching this one on, on, it's called It's Just a Mile. And the idea is it's this um, kind of like almost like a, uh, an ultra marathon, but it's just one mile at a time. And it's 1.1 miles, but there's an elevation game of around 350 feet each loop. And you have to do the loop in 20 minutes. And at the 20-minute mark, it starts back over. And so it's just one mile at a time, and it's to see who can go the longest until there's only one person. And last year, the winner is at 30, 30, um, 30 hours that they just kept doing this over and over. And usually what happens with the, the elite is... Their, their brain is still in it, but their body literally like won't move and they collapse, encouraging. And that's what our face should be like. No, that's not the moral of the story. <laughs> so then um, the algorithms of uh, Amazon Prime then sends me something else that they think I would like due to that. Uh, so be careful what you watch because what you're getting sent is something different. And it's actually a documentary on the CrossFit games of last year. And so I'm, I'm watching this, and I started thinking about this message because so um, about, I don't know, uh, 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, I guess 11's between it, so we'll just go with 11. I, our neighbors did CrossFit in their, in their garage, and so I started working out with them. Well, so I know the movements of CrossFit, okay? I, I understand the cross, the movements and, and what it takes, um, I, I've done it, and I actually believe in its principles and actually believe in, I would say, its superiority to a lot of other workout regimens. I Hey, no hate here. Um, there is a joke. How do you know if someone enjoys CrossFit? They'll tell you. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I had done it for years, and I believe in it, and I'm like, I have faith in it and fully believe in it. And here's the deal. In this documentary, the guy who wins last year, and he also won the year before, his coach lives here in Vancouver, Washington. So not only do I know of the idea of this theory, and not only have I actually put it to practice some in my life and experienced the benefits, but the guy who's the greatest in the world, the greatest athlete in the world from the CrossFit Games, his coach is here in Vancouver. Not only that, if I saw him, he knows my name. He would actually say hello to me. He's a good friend of Kirby and Kathy and Bob and Sue because they, they go to, to his gym, his box. He, he was on the video of during the transition service appreciating Bob and Sue and who they are. So there's actually a little bit of intimacy there. But here's the deal. If you look at me now and you had me go do what they call a WOD, which stands W-O-D, stands for workout of the day, you're going to see that my faith is dead. Why is my faith dead? Because I can't do it anymore. I used to be able to do 15 pull-ups no, with no stopping and go and do something else and come back and do 15 more. I now, if I'm going to do them repetitive, I can do two. Because if I do more than two, then I burn myself out to where I can't do them anymore. 
So what is it? it? I have a belief in it. I truly believe that if I was going to start working out, that is the method at which I want to do it because I saw how it affected me. I know people. I actually know the person who's training the most talented person in the world in this arena right now. But yet, it is dead in my life because if you saw me try to do anything, I can't do it right now. There are no good deeds. So that faith in it is useless because it's not transforming me. I can take off my shirt to prove it to you. <laughs> Speaking of that, a little while back, I, I had to do a wedding for the son of a police officer who had passed away of cancer. And I was worked with their family and did the funeral. And so the son had asked if I would do his wedding and so they want me to wear my uh, police class A, which is kind of like the nicer uniform. And so I go and put it on. Well, the problem was when I was sized for it, I just, I had a different shape, okay? <laughs> and where it's really noticeable is in the back, when it's tucked in, it's really tight, is there's, it just looks like I, I needed some padding right there and right there. <laughs> so I go on to Amazon and I find these like tank top things that are, what do you call them? Body shapers? <laughs> I buy three different sizes, medium, large, and extra large, not knowing which one I needed because I didn't know how else to put on this shirt and stand in front of everyone without looking like it was obvious that the day in which I sized it in my day today are two different days. So I put it on. The problem with it is it's more designed to hold in the front side of you than it is the back side of you. But um, anyway, <laughs> do you get the point though? That I can have faith in it. I could have actually walked in it one day and allowed it to transform me. But if it's not transforming me today, it is dead. And that there's no fruit in me right now that you would say, that guy's a crossfitter. Except I still own the shoes and I still have the shorts, except I can't actually Velcro the shorts shut. <laughs> Just being honest, people. Because there's a point with it is that God is calling us to not just believe that the gospel is true. To not just be able to explain why it is true. To not just be able to talk about how one day a long time ago when everything was better, you walked in it and you allowed it to transform you. If the gospel is true, then it's true today. And if it's true today, then it's transforming us today. And if it's transforming us today, then it's flowing out of us today. And if it's flowing out of us today, other people are saying there's something different about you. Man, I can't believe you keep allowing it to change you. And there's something that comes alive. And they're saying that isn't just a theory. It's alive and well in you. And it's attractive. And it's an example. It's surrender. We have to surrender. You know, surrender, some of our, the things we do is we, in praise team, you guys can come up. The, um, we daily, we read our Bibles and we do what's called prayer, which is 
not something religious. It's actually, it's really cool. It's really simple. It's called communication. And it's communication between you and God. Prayer isn't something you recite. Prayer isn't something you do that's impersonal. Prayer is something that is alive, and it's you communicating what's going on inside of you, and then opening up your ears to hear from God what he's saying. We open up the word not to check it off our list that we read the Bible, but because we want it to come and transform us, because we actually want to meditate on it. That means that we actually think about it. It doesn't mean we just close our eyes and start humming about the scripture. It means that we read the scripture and then we say, God, today I want to allow the scripture to change me, to mold me, to challenge me. I want to walk out this scripture. There's, a, there's something that takes place. Tithing and Sabbath are two areas of surrender that you see in the Old Testament. And it, and it goes through. Why is it surrender? Because it doesn't make sense. That you are going to move ahead in life by not working every single day and striving and trying to force it to happen. By letting go one day a week and resting and delighting in our Lord God. That you would actually go farther. That tithing, that if you give of your first fruits, everything in our mind, at least in my mind, says that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would I want to do that? But that by acknowledging God as, as our provider, that and, and it's an act of surrender. It's God saying, do you really trust me? Will you trust me to give up a day of your own work? Will you trust me to give of your finances that you won't have lack and that I will come and work in you? Forgiveness. We don't want to give up forgiveness. We don't want to offer it. Because when we truly do, I used the example last week. I was praying, God, I want to forgive this person. Then the thought went through my mind, if you forgive them, you're letting go of it. And the thought went through my mind, I don't want to let go of it because I want to be able to use this against them once we actually have the conversation about this situation. The thought went through my mind, that's not forgiveness. And I had to sit there and debate Do I want to be obedient to God and forgive and give up my right to hold on to it? Or am I going to hold on to it and be bound by it? The local church, a lot of people want to let go of the local church. It's an action that displays the body of Christ. Here's the deal. Give a good look around. The people around you are going to annoy you. They're going to offend you. They're gonna, they're gonna, all sorts of things might take place, but it's the body of Christ. And we don't stick around because we vote the same. We don't stick around because we all like the same food. We don't stick around because we all dress the same or like the same songs. We stick around because we represent the body of Christ. So we can say we believe in the body of Christ, but if we don't stick around each other, that is dead. I can say I trust God, but if, if I'm not willing to, to, to take time and just rest and delight in God, or I'm not willing to tithe and give, it's dead. I can say I believe in the forgiveness of God and hallelujah, he came and forgave me. But if I don't let go of things you have done to me, it's dead. 
I can say I believe that this is the living word of God and it's going to transform me and that God still speaks today. But if I don't take time in my day to meditate on scripture and to pray, have a conversation with God, that's dead. This can be harsh. But to me, this isn't about us beating ourselves up. It's about us saying we want to believe because we want to allow it to transform us. And in letting it transform us, it's going to change the way you and I talk, the way we look, and the way we act. And when it does, then we're able to go out as his disciples, as his ambassadors, not representing our kingdom, but representing his kingdom. We stand to your feet. We're going to, we're kind of ending the message a little earlier today. And um, can we change? Um, I know we didn't go into anchor. I was thinking we could do anchor and then do hallelujah. Gave it a little more time-ish. If we can do that. I want to, we're going to pray. We're going to put some of our faith into action. So if you're on one of the host teams, don't worry. You don't need to go yet because we're not, we're not over. If you were excited that standing meant it was about time to end, I apologize, I misled you. This is our time to respond to God and to allow him to come do something new in us. I would like to invite the elders. So Bill and Joanne and Linda and I saw Sandy and Bob and Sue. If you guys would come over to this side over here underneath the signs. And um, Betty's gonna hand you guys some anointing oil. If you have something physical going on in your body where you need a miraculous healing, I'm going to say if you have even a loved one, let's keep it kind of close where it's a spouse or a child or a parent that needs miraculous healing, then I would ask that you come over and allow these to pray. Why the elders? Are they more special? Not at all. Why the elders? Because scripture says if you're sick, Call for the elders and let them anoint you with oil and let them pray for you. That's why, okay? And uh, I just, elders, make sure you're looking at how many people are in line and praying accordingly so we can pray for everybody. You know your, your thing. If you're here today, maybe this is your first time coming into a church and even just this whole thing, you're wondering about it. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. This whole thing of letting go of it and allowing it to come and transform me and come alive in me. I need that. Maybe you've been coming for weeks and it's more of a slow process that God is doing in you. And you're like, I think I need to step out today and I need to talk to someone and pray with someone because I want to make this faith active in my life. Tomorrow, would you come up and um, maybe just stand over here in front of the piano and if that's you, I want you to come talk with Tamar. Maybe you feel like you've kind of allowed your faith to die and you keep going through the motions, but it's not alive. I want you to come up and she's going to pray with you guys collectively. If you want the power of Holy Spirit to come invade your life, not for weirdness, not for scary things, but the power of Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples in the early church at the beginning of Acts. And that's something you want. I'm going to be standing up here and I want to pray for you. I'd like to invite the rest of the prayer team to come up over on this side. And if you need prayer on anything in your life, 
something relational, something emotional, a new job, um, a new car. I don't know what it is. You need, you're having struggle forgiving somebody. You're nervous about the new school you're going to, whatever it is. The prayer team's gonna be over here to pray for you. So we got if you need miraculous healing, if you wanna surrender your life to Jesus either for the first time, the second time, the hundredth time, but you know that today you need a surrender. You want the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you allow the Holy Spirit to come and change something in you and you say, I don't wanna walk in my own strength. I wanna walk in the power of Holy Spirit or you got something else that I didn't name going on in your life. I want you to come up here. Let's fill this place with the spirit of faith, with the spirit of belief and not, I will believe it when I see it, but I'm gonna see it when I believe it. So I invite you to lift your voices. I invite you to step out of your seats and to say, Jesus, today, I wanna serve you in a living, alive way.